episode of Hip Hop and Anime Vibes. I'm your host, D-Town, a.k.a. Tupac Shakur, a.k.a. Pusha T. Chala, a.k.a. Eric Trillmonger, a.k.a. Kotsky Bakuglo, a.k.a. Living My Life Like It's Golden Frieza, a.k.a. Mr. If I Rule The World. And welcome back to another episode, man. What's been new? What's been good? What's been popping? How are you feeling? Thanksgiving just passed, man. Did you have anything good? Did you social distance? Did you stay away from your family like I did? Did you did you have Thanksgiving via Zoom? No? Did you go to your family's house, put everybody at risk? Hey, look, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about what it is you did. What's important is that you enjoyed yourself and you guys did everything you could to stay safe out there. So before we get too deep into today's episode, again, I hope you guys are doing really well. Um, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast at because it helps with the algorithms. Also, if there is a rating system based on where you're listening to your podcast at, such as Apple Podcasts, rate me a five and say something nice. I will read it on the air when I start to get those reviews. Also, uh, I am an artist and I do have some music out on streaming platforms. Make sure you run a search for D-Town, that's D-T-O-W-N. Got a couple songs out now. I've got uh, Listen that's out now, which is very dope. Uh, Make sure you're listening to the lyrics on that because I don't want them to go over your head. Also, Angels is out, which is also one of, I feel like the best introspective rap songs that I've put together. And last but certainly not least, Radar is out, which the third verse on Radar, I'm not going to lie to you, I feel like it's one of the dopest verses that I've ever written. I really like my cadence and my flow on that record. And um, fuck it, I'm going to play it for the outro of this podcast. That is what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw that third verse in there. Um, Because why the fuck not, man? Why the fuck not? It's my platform. I do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. Um, But yeah, that's primarily it, man. Make sure you support your boy, show some love, all that good stuff. Remember, you know, those streams, they help me out, man. Um, Especially on my music, it costs you nothing to stream my music, but it makes me just fractions of a penny (laughs) anytime you guys do it. So one or even point one is always greater than zero. Let's get started with today's episode, shall we? We've got a lot on the agenda to discuss. I'm going to try and keep it short, sweet, and hard to beat because I respect your time and I respect you guys for listening to me and joining me here today. First things first, we are going to discuss the Grammys game. So with us discussing the Grammys, let's break a couple things down here, right? There's been this mindset in hip-hop rap all that good stuff is you know hey the grammys don't dictate the culture why do we get so upset about them they don't validate the culture we don't need anybody to come in and and validate our music and validate what we know is true and uh we need to make these other we need to make our own award shows listen i get that i even subscribe to that to a point you know what i mean because again we don't use the grammys as a barometer or any type of measuring stick to determine what's hot in the culture and what's not in the culture. But what I want to offer you today is a different perspective. But before we get into that, I do want to make, you know, set the set the stage here a little bit, right? Um, last week after the podcast aired, okay, 
um, they announced the Grammy nominations. And with them announcing the Grammy nominations, um, as they always do, there are artists that are celebrating their Grammy nominations and artists who feel like they're snubbed. Uh, in particularly, Tiana Taylor for the R&B category. Um, best, I believe, best R&B male album, or it's not even male album, it was best R&B album, album of the year, R&B album of the year. There were no women nominated in this category and Tiana Taylor made the statement that this should have been called like best male R&B dick category or some shit like that but you know rightfully so she's upset she has a phenomenal R&B album phenomenal voice excellent talent right um me personally I got super excited when I seen album of the year rap album of the year I should say um with Royce the Five Nines album, The Allegory being nominated, which I truly love that album. That's a really good album. Nas's King's Disease album, which was also nominated, which I love that album as well. Uh, the J Ele Electronica album, I believe it was, um, the name of the album escapes me, but I, do en I did enjoy listening to that album when it dropped. Um, I'm trying to think here, what else got nominated? Um, Oh, Fredro, oh, not Fredro Star, uh, Freddie Gibbs and The Alchemist got nominated for Alfredo, which, long story made less long, I think Freddie Gibbs had album of the year last year. So, with with that being said, I think he he definitely should have been nominated last year. And then D Smoke kind of kind of crept in there for album rap album of the year, which, you know, no shade, no tea, but here's the thing, right? Um, I've always felt like D Smoke has been an industry plant since he was on the rap game, and what kind of led me to that conclusion was the Netflix show The Rap Game was essentially a series about finding the next talent, right? Um in one of the final challenges, they paired him with a producer or a writer um, who was like, no, they paired him with a producer. I, I don't remember who the producer was. I don't know if it was Sunny Digital or Metro Boomin. But the final contest was, we're going to have you guys produce and write a song together and put it together as a performance. And the producer was like, oh, yeah, I know this dude. I've worked with him many times before on some records that got some really big placements and I was like wait a minute like okay I get this now like so I feel like it was more or less kind of like set up from the start to where he had already been working with major labels and I believe his brother is someone in the industry I don't know if his brother is Nav or if his brother is Six Lack so He's got some connection. He had some connections to the industry going into this, whereas many of the competitors on the show did not. And just from there, you've seen him kind of like pop up in different places where it's like, OK, I, I, I get it. Right. But I've never really heard anyone speak about like his records beyond the rap game. You know what I mean? And that's not saying he's not a phenomenal artist. That's not saying that he's dope. It's just for him to get nominated for a Grammy, that was kind of like, okay, you can kind of see the politics behind that. Um, because unlike with Rhapsody, when Rhapsody was nominated last year for Layla's Wisdom as Rap Album of the Year, 
I understood that. She's a phenomenal talent. She's a phenomenal lyricist. She's been working her ass off. She's been working hard. And I paid attention to that album. I listened to that album. But whether you guys listen to D Smoke or not, I would like to know that. If you guys listen to D Smoke, shoot me a message. Let me know. Um, because I just need to verify that I'm not going crazy. You know what I mean? I'm going to bounce this one off of you guys. But as it stands right now, um, I feel like this was a very political and strategic placement by some type of label or something like that to to get him into this category in the first place this year especially among all of the uh albums that were let out this year that generated a much 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 bigger response than than his album did so anyway i take I, I say all of that to say this right why do artists oh and the weekend got snubbed right um the Weeknd's art album is doing phenomenal. It's breaking all kinds of Billboard records. It's breaking all kinds of Billboard numbers. And he even came out and said, not only am I snubbed, but to a certain extent, he said there was a decision that had to be made. They essentially gave me an ultimatum, like either I do the Super Bowl this year and I don't get nominated for any Grammys or I get nominated for all the Grammys, but I don't do the Super Bowl this year. And he chose to do the Super Bowl. So... With that being said, that you know, there's a lot that goes into the Grammys that that we've known for years, right? It's a, it's a jacked up system that's not set up for the most talented artists to succeed, right? There's a lot of things that go into this. Aside from the politics, they factor in a lot of other things such as merch sales, social media following, tour sales, um, chart placement, you know, not chart placement, but chart, you know, where you're charting at. Just a whole lot of variables go into this, and then they have a committee that votes on this. So depending on what category you're in, depending on what your relationships are, you know, you can kind of sway people's opinions based on the voting to get into a category. If you know who the key players are, it's nothing to send them. Um, and I was listening to someone else said this, you know, if you, I think Lupe Fiasco said this, yes. If you know who the, the voters are in a certain category, it's nothing to send them like a quote unquote gift pack um, in support of your album for that particular category. So it's it's a dirty, dirty game, right? We know it's not fair and we've known that that it's not fair. And, you know, some of you guys may or may not have known that I'm kind of giving you some insight to how the Grammys work. But here's the thing, right? The topic for the day, now that I've set the stage, is why do artists get so bent out of shape? when it comes to Grammy nominations, when it comes to Grammy wins, Grammy losses, or even overall being snubbed. I'm gonna offer you guys a different perspective as an artist who has been nominated for multiple awards and has also won awards as well. Yes, award-winning artist right here on your podcast. I know, subtle flex. But, Let's talk a little bit about it. They, the guys that we're talking about, right? The artists that we're talking about, right? The ones that get upset and bent out of shape about it sometimes are artists that are releasing music as a career. They're putting music together as a career. This is essentially their job. This is their livelihood. They take pride in what it is that they're doing. You can't release music at that level 
and not take some type of pride in your work. They might not be proud of every record, but they have certain records and they have certain tracks that they are proud of. Again, I'm just giving you insight into the mind of an artist, okay? So I want you guys to think about it like this. In any career, any job that you have, you want to be recognized for your hard work. That's it, especially when if it's something that you're doing that's creative. Okay, again, you don't need people to validate what it is that you're doing, but you would love to be recognized as being a standout person or a top-notch uh, act in whatever category or art or creativity or entrepreneurial venture that you're going into. Okay, for example, Jay-Z has tied Quincy Jones in Grammy nominations. Jay-Z has been nominated 81 times. These are the most Grammy nominations in history. So with that being said, how many Grammys do you think that Jay-Z has? Spoiler alert, um, I don't necessarily know how many he has, but I know that he has actively stated like, I'm not gonna show up every year to watch myself lose. So if he has them, it's definitely not a lot of Grammys, right? Um, but I want you to think about it like this, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put, your, put you in the artist's shoes, okay? Think about your job, okay? Think about your job, you're a young person who's just entering into the work field, this is a job that you love doing, you're on time every day, you bust your ass every day, and you know, of course you're in it for the check, but you love what it is that you do, and you're busting your ass, and you're working hard for it. And then across from you is this fucking mouth breather who is late every day, who only makes your job more difficult. This person's checked out. They're not here to help, they're only here for the check, and they make everybody's job harder by being here, right? and you go up for a promotion, it's you against this guy, and then this guy gets the promotion, and you're like, well, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Now, I want you to picture that 81 times. I want you to picture you going up for a promotion 81 times and getting snubbed everyone every single time. At some point in time, right, you're gonna build up this defense mechanism like, eh, fuck this place, I'm here for the job, right? I'm here for the check. You know, you still love what you do and you're still outstanding at what you do, but now how you view this particular workplace has changed because of how you were treated. And that's essentially what the Grammys is. Again, ask yourself, put yourself in Jay-Z's situation. You've been nominated 81 times. How many, how many of those are you not gonna win before you're like, all right, this is shit, right? So what is it about for the artists? Why do they get bent out of shape for it, okay? Some of, the some of the lesser known artists, some of the younger artists, some of the newer acts, I'm gonna break this down for you, okay? It's free promotion. Flat out, pure and simple. To get nominated for a Grammy in any category, it is free promotion. What does this mean to the artist? This means that there are more eyes on you who may not have known about you prior. Again, you know, I'll use D-Smoke for example. I have not listened to a D-Smoke album and I have not talked about D-Smoke openly on this podcast. But because he's nominated for a Grammy, here we are discussing him. Here we are talking about him. And I even asked if some of you guys listen to him and some of you guys might actually go and stream his music. So what does this mean for the artist? It's free promotion. This increases streams, this increases awareness, this increases merch sales, this increases ticket sales. This increases 
pretty much not only their it raises their profile but not only that it results in some type of revenue artists that have been nominated for a grammy have seen increases in their streams and in their plays by up to at least a million it's proven that there are eyes on you and there is some financial benefit from it also what we don't talk about right and this is what i really want to drive home with you guys about how specifically the grammys work i can't say this is for every award show okay but your this impacts your team as well nominations and wins impact your team who's on your team that's going to be whoever is involved with the record whoever is involved with putting that record together also receives the nomination they also receive the win so that would be your background vocal vocalist that would be your producer that would be your songwriters that would be any other features that you have on the track that would be any other singers yes that would be even your engineer that would be your session musicians as well who's ever involved with that particular record they also share in the nomination so if you win all of those people get a Grammy as well with a lot of the artists it's not just about them it's not as selfish and self-centered as damn you know they snubbed me for some of these guys it's like my team has busted their ass and even if you don't feel a way about it you know even if your team doesn't feel a way about it these things can raise their profile it raises their stock it raises their value in the industry you know think about it like this you can go from essentially being just a regular no-name engineer to being a grammy nominated engineer which allows you to change your rates and what it is that you charge people a grammy award-winning producer which allows you to change the rate in which you're able to charge people uh, for your work and for your service. So it puts your family in a better position and it puts your, it changes your life. You know what I mean? You're able to walk into rooms and approach certain deals with a certain level of clout and validated expertise that wasn't there prior. It gives you a leg up on maybe people that you're competing against in a certain field who don't necessarily have those accolades. You know, their trade-off would have to be experience. You guys see how it goes. I don't have to break it down any further than that. All right, so what's the moral of the story here? What are we talking about? It has less to do with validation in hip hop. It has more or less to do with, um, again, this is not with everybody, but this is with certain artists. It has a lot to do with recognition, promotion, putting yourself and your team in a better position all right now here's the thing right the grammys don't judge actual talent and that's the moral they don't judge actual talent and it's very political again they don't judge actual talent and in the words of uh jay-z only god can judge me so either love me or leave me alone that's <laughs> pretty much it all right, moving on, this Young Thug, Andre 3000 situation. So Young Thug recently said some some wild shit about Andre 3000 in a T.I. podcast interview. T.I. has a podcast called Expeditiously, and uh, Young Thug was on there, and when he was asked about Andre 3000, this is what he had to say. can't rap you to Andre 3000, so I ain't never paid attention to him. Mm, never in my life. You I crazy. Paid. You missing out. 
Right. You missing out. Y'all need to work together. That's what you, hey, look. That'd be crazy. We, we most definitely, definitely Yo crazy. motherfucking next move. Just like you went and work with Elton John, nigga. But Elton John was like, more like Elton John. The difference from Elton John and Andre is Elton John. Like, simplify it. Elton John, Elton John like to kiss ass. What Andre like his ass here. <laughs> M. John, like, hey, oh, I love you. I remember what you, your first song. I remember Gucci first song. Uh, when is Gucci getting out? Like, he just more of like a fan type of nigga yeah. to the point where it's like, I'm like, nigga, let's do music. He like, nigga, bet. Uh, Andre more like, yo, hey, tell that nigga this thug, nigga. Why you gotta talk <laughs> like that, though, bro? Fuck wrong, don't get on the fucking phone, nigga. No, you know, you know what it is. He told you stupid ass answer. <laughs> you answered it. See, that's what. It's more like that, nigga. We from Atlanta, nigga. Get where I come from. See, Guess what? This what? This is our relationship. If you I become, don't if have I have to do that, if I become, this is our ally. No. Yes, he is, bro. Who? He's with us. Three thousand. He who ally? He's one of. He us. who ally? Us. Yeah, fucking right. Man, yes, he is. Why you don't rap like him? What do you mean? You don't talk like him, dress like him, look like him. Hey, man, that ain't for me. You ain't trying to, to portray none of that. But you're doing it. All right, so there's there's a lot to unpack here, right? Um, why would why would he say this? This is weird. This is really weird. Um, a couple things, right? I think when he talks about Elton John, okay, um, I think it goes back to our original conversation about the Grammys, right? People take pride in their work and they want to be recognized and they want to be celebrated. And in this instance, just that celebration, just that recognition is enough for Young Thug to welcome some type of chemistry with Elton John. All right. Um, so, so I get that. There's some type of awareness there. It seems like the relationship during its inception was one where they were like, you know, oh, he was like, oh, okay, you know, I don't, I don't expect Young Thug to have known who Elton John was or even have known Elton John's music. But the fact that Elton John more or less was humble enough to be like, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I know your record. I know your music. This, this, that, and the third was enough for Young Thug to entertain some type of chemistry there. Um, or to even entertain building that relationship, I should say. But I think that that's a huge part when it comes to music. I think relationship and chemistry go hand in hand. The better the relationship is, the better the chemistry will be in the studio. And the records come out sounding pretty good. Now, I haven't heard the record that they had, but... Um, I think again, you know, there's many, many, many different ways you can kind of like prove this by looking at other acts, right? But with Andre 3000, it sounds like there was an instance where Thug attempted to reach out to Andre 3000. He's a very private individual. Um, he's made his stance very clear on the music industry there's a reason we have amazing andre 3000 features and guest verses and an amazing outcast discography 
but we don't have a solo Andre 3000 album. And the reason being is just because of how he feels, right? You know, his for him, and he's well documented in saying this, you know, he's he's actively working on music, but I don't think the passion is in a place where it once was for him to release music. You know, he's a guy that goes pretty much based off of feeling and how he feels when it comes to releasing music. And um, with us ranging, changing, and growing as artists, you're not, even as people, even as men, even as women, you're not gonna feel the same way you did about a lot of things 15 years ago. If you if you don't believe me, look at who you were dating 15 years ago. Um, very few of us will be like, yeah, we stuck with that. That was a really good person. I, I, I would still, like, no. We, we look at where we were 15 years ago, what we were into 15 years ago. Um, and for Outkast and for Andre 3000, it's more like 20, 25 years ago. So you just, feel differently about different things right but ultimately i think with with this particular situation there may have been a scenario where young thug reached out to andre 3000 and didn't like the fact that he had to kind of like jump through hoops to get him on the phone and it goes back to just relationship right um if you don't have the relationship with that person you can't just reach out to them um you're gonna have to go through the protocols that you need to go through to reach somebody like an andre 3000 and based on how he feels he may or may not hit you back so um and thug can feel however he wants to feel about that but do i believe he's never paid attention to andre 3000 in his life hell no i don't believe that i think I think he might be hurt by that interaction in some way. Not hurt in a sense is like, oh, well, there, there needs to be some healing done. Not like, no, not that. But I think he's definitely upset about it. Um, either way, man, you know, Andre is good. He's not He's not paying attention to this shit. He's not listening to this shit. He's a diamond selling artist. Diamond. There's levels to this shit. There's platinum and then there's diamond. Diamond, I believe, is when you sell, what, 10 million records? And I think, I think the Love Below and Speaker Box are multi-diamond albums. Either way, man. Either way, that's not something that many artists do. You know, you, many artists don't go platinum. Many artists don't go gold. Even fewer of those artists go platinum. Andre 3000 is a legacy act. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's someone that we identify with um, from a talent standpoint, and that we recognize as. A pillar in the culture, you know what I mean? He's one of those people where his talents have earned him the right to be celebrated as a legend, but also he, he doesn't appear to be like too problematic, you know what I mean? I mean, you guys could probably go back in his lyrics and find something. I wouldn't encourage you to do that, but I mean, he doesn't care about this shit. He's dope, man. Your white tee? Well, um, it looks like a nightgown. Make your mama proud and take that thing two sizes down. That's all I got. Shout out to Andre 3000. He killed that remix. He killed that verse. He delivered so many dope verses and excellent verses. Um, it's just... In him versus a tribe called Quest, Outcast versus a tribe called Quest, um, I, I'll save that conversation for another day. Keeping it moving, we are going to talk about Tyson versus Roy Jones jr this fight happened last night um i'm recording this sunday morning slash afternoon and um 
you know, going into this thing, people had high expectations um, from both fighters. People had their concerns from both fighters. And um, man, it was it was a night. It was a spectacle, man. It was it was definitely a spectacle. Me and my wife watched. Um, we didn't watch the undercard, which the undercard was wild, which was a uh, what was it? Uh, Jake Paul, Nathan. Pa- I don't know this guy's name, man. You know, no disrespect, but I don't I really don't pay too much attention to white YouTubers. I know that this guy has a federal investigation going on against him because he was like. Um, during the uh, George Floyd protests, this guy actually started like going into malls and looting and shit like that. And he's allegedly like some type of millionaire. Um, and I don't think he's been back to Arizona since. They found like guns in his house and shit like that. Just it was all kinds of fucked up. Like, um, and notice the verbiage that I used during the protests. He and others went out and started looting. You know, either way, the the verbiage is important is what I'm saying. Either way, that guy versus Nate Robinson. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. Okay. Um, Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Jake Paul is 23. YouTube sensation. Right. Allegedly, quote unquote. I don't know him, but what the fuck ever. Um, Nate Robinson, former NBA player, I think dunk contest contestant or winner i don't know 36 years old 23 year old versus a 36 year old okay here's the thing about jake paul that i didn't know going into this and that i found out after this apparently he has a background in wrestling he wrestled in high school and he's 23 you guys don't know too much about me but i can tell you this at 23 24 and 25 years old i was in the best physical condition in my entire life there wasn't much of anything i could do or i couldn't do i should say um i was still competing in uh in uh what is it the 100 meter dash and the 200 meter dash up until about 24 years old and was still competitive um running some really really good times running some really competitive times i was running unattached but I was also coaching and I was also working out with the kids like while I was coaching them. I was coaching high school. It was, it was just, it was, I say all of that to say this, man. At 23, I was the most active that I had ever been in my entire life. Lifting weights, working out, cardio, strength, explosion, plyometric training, um, just you name it, I was doing it. Creatine during the uh conditioning phase of this just all kinds of stuff man all kind I, I was i miss it i need to get back to it nate i 36 years old okay um there's an age difference there right and even with him being a professional athlete i will say this man if um if you're going into this thing and you're not fully prepared, it's like you you, you got to keep in, keep this in mind, right? If you're not prepared to keep up with a 23 year old, you know it's it's very different from the NBA. Um, you're looking at an age difference here now. This is one on one combat sports. This is brutal. Nate got knocked the fuck out. Like it was nuts. It was it. it I think it was in the second round. He got knocked out. He got knocked out once, got right back up, and got knocked the fuck out again. 
and it was just like um, among us I, I need to report a dead body I was doing tasks and electrical type shit like he got snuffed and um, a lot of people are giving him giving him shit for it because it's like you're a pro- you were a professional athlete how could you get knocked out by a YouTube sensation easy buddy easy I don't know what he's been doing since his retirement and I know he went into this with the best intentions, right? To raise money. This is a humanitarian event. It's all about, you know, this, this, that, and the third, and raising money for And yes, we did that. But fam, you've got to hold this L, because that come with this. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's, it's, he's a 36-year-old man versus a 23-year-old, like, young man. And I don't know how active Jake is, but it's like... To be 23 years old versus 36 years old, I, I can tell you this, right? I, I turned 35 within the next couple months in January. It was a lot easier for me to kind of like, even if I took off like six months, seven months, it's a lot. E- it was a lot easier for me to get back into peak physical condition when I was 23 years old, 22 years old, 21 years old, 24 years old now trying to do that shit at 35 man it it take a little it takes a little more it it takes a lot more effort you know what i mean so um and then i couldn't imagine training for another sport right now here's the thing nba player versus somebody who has some experience in i don't know if we can call wrestling a combat sport but it's definitely a different there's definitely like one-on-one contact you know what I mean? That part is like, you're kind of going in with a disadvantage, but ultimately, man, it it was embarrassing. I don't think that guy's doing that again. I think, you know, they raised a lot of money and then that's it for him. And the New York Knicks jokes that I've been seeing online, it's, people are like, the writing is on the wall. He was a Knicks, he, he played for the Knicks, he, was, he came out in Knicks colors and he lost in spectacular Knicks fashion it was like what else could you expect either way man either way man my heart goes out to the guy because that's I couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine anyway Tyson versus Roy Jones that's what you guys are here for that's what you guys want to see um my thoughts my thoughts on the fight man first of all there was a 25 pound weight difference between these gentlemen and um, this isn't anime, folks. This is this is the real deal, right? This isn't Gohan versus Raccoon, you know, a five-year-old versus an alien where, you know, the power of friendship and, and Zenkai boosts and shit like that and being a half saying, you know, these, these fictional factors count, right? These non-fictional factors count. Like, this is, this is not that. This is the real deal. With a 25-pound weight advantage in boxing, in a one-on-one contact sport like there's huge there's a if you put your body behind your weight when you're executing a punch it's it's a different ball game when you're wrapping up and when you're locking up with somebody you're going to feel their weight on you you're going to have to work a lot harder than you than them which impacts your stamina which just in that's going to in turn impact how you move about the ring all of that good stuff with that being said i'm a filthy casual boxing fan i have no idea what the fuck i'm talking about but i do know enough to tell you that if there's a 25 pound weight difference 
the if the if the heavier guy is agile enough and quick enough, it's gonna be a long day for the other guy. I don't give a fuck what it is you're trying to say. This was an eight-round bout exhibition match. There wouldn't be an official winner because they don't have a license to declare an official winner. Um, so it's gonna be pretty much up to the fans, right? And the purpose of this was to raise awareness and raise money for some type of cause. I don't know what it was for, but I know they raised a shit ton of money. Um, just this, just the humanitarian aspect of it all. Either way, um, they came out, they were looking good for those first two rounds. And then I want to say halfway through that second round, Roy really showed that there was kind of like some lack of conditioning there. Um, but he did say like he caught a body shot from Tyson early on and in the post fight interview he said you know when he that body shot when he hit me with that body shot it ain't just the ribs that hurt everything hurts and I think it, it ties back into what I said you know when you when you get hit like that by somebody that puts their weight behind a punch and there's a 25 pound weight difference um, you get you're getting your bell rung man you know, it's um, that's going to impact your stamina, which is going to impact your footwork, which is going to impact how you're moving around the ring. And I think once I think once that happened, Roy was like, I'm just going to wrap this guy up because if he gets too many more of these off, if he continues to fuck me up in this way, I'm not going to make it through this, make it through these rounds. So I, I would say the best thing that happened to these guys was that they were two minute rounds, especially in Roy's favor. Cause Tyson looked Tyson looked good stamina wise throughout the entire bout. He looked very in control when he was in his corner. His breathing wasn't nearly as heavy as Roy's. And I think Roy got hit so hard one time we could kind of hit. They had the ring mic'd up. He went back to his corner and was like, "Am I, am I bleeding?" The dude's like, "No, you just you just got hit really, really hard. You you don't need to let him do that again." Which, I'm going to be completely honest with you, man. I'm going to keep it a buck. I'm going to keep it a thousand. Best strategy ever. <laughs> like, hey, you got hit really hard. You should you should probably not let him do that. Roger that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, um, of course, it ended in a draw, but everybody watching at home unanimously feels like Tyson won and again it ended in a draw because it's an exhibition they don't have an official license to do that so they can't officially take bets and they can't officially name a winner which is why they're putting it on the humanitarian aspect of it which is admirable right you know not dissing that at all not trying to say it was fixed or anything like that that's not the narrative here that I'm trying to push but it you know it, it is what it is you know they, they did it for a cause and they didn't have a license, so they can't name an official winner. Winner. It ended in a draw. What I thought was really funny during the post-fight interview was when they uh, asked Roy Jones, "Hey, do you see yourself coming back to do this? You know." Um, well, when they asked Tyson, Tyson was like, hell yeah, I'm coming back. I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. You know, this is a part of the process. I'm a humanitarian now. That's what I do it for, you know, to raise money and I have fun. And this guy's going to, this guy, me and him are going to come back and do this stuff again real soon. And he looked at Roy and then the, the, the announcer is like, hey, Roy, are you going to come back and do this? And Roy's like, ah, you know, 
I, I gotta talk to my family. <laughs> I gotta talk to my wife and, you know, if they like what they see, then, then I'll come back and do it. That nigga said everything other than, yes, I will do it, which... You know, here's the thing, right? I've been in those situations before where you don't want to necessarily say no. <laughs> um, tastefully and tactfully done. Put it on the family because what's going to happen is they're going to look at him and they're, they're going to say, all right, all right, pop, pop. All right, grandpa, that's enough. That's enough. You don't need to you don't need to do that anymore. You've proved your point. You stopped fighting three years ago. Um we can't continue to watch you do this i don't know if he's married but his wife is definitely gonna say hell no that's it you told me three years ago that this was that was it that's a wrap it's done if he's married his wife is definitely gonna tell him wrap it up b that's it ship chappelle serial episode wrap it up b the wrap it up box it's, it's done um i'm not gonna say he looked bad i'm not gonna say he looked terrible but um you could definitely tell even going up to the fight he he's mentioned he had kind of like some some concerns about performing at this age against mike tyson and um i i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't come back you know not that he should again he's a legend he's an icon he's he's earned his stripes he has nothing left to prove um if he was to come back again he's doing it purely off the love but you know from what i know that fighters go through post fight post fight post fight the end of the fight i'm talking about hours days weeks and months after the fight in combat sports i wouldn't recommend people this old continue to do this shit you know um you know i've heard stories about people having to you know they get hit so hard where they have to sit in dark rooms for for hours and even you know just to kind of like because their head's fucking with them and even just the sight of them looking at the cell phone is enough to to make them throw up and pass out you know they can't even look at the screen on their cell phone they have to sit in a dark room because they've taken so many hits to the body hits to the head to where it impacts them you know um you know, CTE is also a real thing. I think if you read the Hajime no Ippo manga, I think I think Ippo has CTE and is 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 working off a of, working some shit off there. Like I think he's coaching now and trying to get back in. But still, very real shit post fight. Post fight, post fight care is important. Um, I hope both of those guys are okay, but you know, again, you know, at 50 plus years old, your body's not going to bounce back like it was when you were a 20 plus year old fighter. You know, that's just proven. That's just facts. You know, your body does different things. And I'm certain both of those guys will tell you that. So I'm just hoping these guys take care of themselves post fight and nothing unexpected pops up. It doesn't look like the fight was intense enough to warrant like severe shit. But again, I'm not an expert. I don't fucking know this shit. I'm just hoping for the best case scenario. Um, but man, that shit was nuts. Shout out to Snoop Dogg being the commentator for this thing. Um, he was the real winner in all of this shit, man. Snoop Dogg's commenta commentary on the fight um, made some of those things more entertaining than they were. One of the things that I thought was really entertaining was like, he was like, hey, these guys look like my two uncles fighting at a cookout. And I'm thinking to myself, nigga, you're their same age. Those are your cousins. Like, 
Oh man, when Nate Robinson got got knocked out and Snoop started singing Negro spirituals, it was absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. What do I ultimately, man? Look, this is the fight. They sacrificed Chris Brown and Soldier Boy fighting each other to give us Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. Was that done officially? No. Um, I'm just talking shit for the sake of talking shit. Either way, man. Shout outs to Roy Jones. Shout outs to Tyson. Shout outs to Snoop on commentary. Shout outs to Izzy on commentary. Shout outs to the white guy that they had there. And shout outs to uh, Sugar Ray Leonard on commentary. And again, shout outs to uh, Paul and Robinson as well. Uh, definitely a memorable moment for the culture. Um, I think I'm going to wrap things up here. I was going to talk about Fredro Starr and Royce the 5'9", kind of going back and forth. All you guys really need to know there is uh, hip-hop legend Fredro Starr from Onyx um, in jest during a podcast called Royce the 5'9", a nerd, but a hood nigga, but still a nerd because he reads book and has an expansive vocabulary, in which Royce the 5'9", responded, with all due respect, legend, keep my name out your fucking mouth. I'm not your guy don't play with me because if you continue to play with me like this there's stuff that comes with that and you don't want everything that comes with that so i'm a huge royce the five nine fan as i spoke about earlier in this podcast and you know i mean hey i feel him like i'm not you know we're not cool you're not gonna play with my name like that you know you know people are entitled to freedom of speech yes you can say what you want to say you know under the first amendment you know we all can speak freely But freedom of speech does not mean that you are free of consequences. And that's that's what you guys need to understand, man. I'm not the first person to say that shit, but I definitely mean that shit to y'all, man. Don't get out here and be like, I can say what the fuck it is I want. Yeah, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck it is that you want. But that person has the right to react and they can react however they so choose to react. So you need to be prepared with whatever comes with that reaction that's all i'm gonna say man that's all i'm gonna say anime recommendation um i talked about this a couple podcasts ago but i'm gonna expand on this one man i'm gonna recommend this to you guys project aco project aco is a series of movies the reason i've been kind of like on this retro anime kick is because i've i've been having a hard time sleeping at night and i feel like one of the things that kind of puts me to sleep but also relaxes me is watching retro anime anime made between the 70s 80s and 90s right it for some reason just the way that they're animated like it it calms the soul i don't know it's the it's the nostalgia for me let me just say that it's the nostalgia for me but i will say project echo is worth a watch if you liked kill la kill you'll probably enjoy Project Echo. Project Echo is four movies, and they were all made in the 80s, with one of them being made in, the first one being made in 1986, and I think the last one being made in like 1989 or 1991, something like that. Um, Project Echo is basically Kill a Kill's big sister. All right, synopsis, Project Echo is the typical love triangle of three schoolgirls and their confrontations with aliens, giant robots, and women that look like men. All right, so here's the thing, right? There's a lot of fighting in this thing. There's a lot of action. Um, It's a little silly, it's a little over the top, but I feel like this was one of those animes that heavily inspired Kill la Kill. 
Now keep in mind, this was made in 1986. Okay, so if you don't really like anime from that era, then you probably won't like this. I'm sorry. You know, that's that's just what that is. It feels more or less like a shonen anime with some seinen overtones. Uh, because again, it's based on the power of friendship. There's really no power scaling in this thing. It's like Eiko is dumb strong. Um, Biko is really smart and makes robots and shit. And um, sends the robots to fight Eiko. And it's all for the friendship of Seiko, which she doesn't have any powers. Apparently, she's an intergalactic princess or some shit like that. But the, you know, the plot here is much like the plot in Kill the Kill, where it's not, it's not too complicated. It's not too complex. You know, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to, to understand the plot here. It's actually... Is this a comedy? Yeah, there's some comedic moments in here, man. So, I mean, this is kind of like a lighthearted tone. If you're looking for somebody to, if you're looking for something where people are getting beat up, if you're looking for something with some fights where people are fighting giant robots and aliens and shit like that and the plot goes way left, I would definitely recommend watching it. And again, if you like Kill a Kill, this shit, listen, Kill a Kill was about clothes attacking people. What do you have to lose? Seriously, what do you have to lose? It's four movies. You'll know if you'll like the thing by the end of the first movie. Because that's pretty much what all of them are, except they become more and more bizarre. I do like the fourth movie, though. The fourth movie, which I believe is Project Echo Versus or Project Echo Red Versus Blue or something like that. Gray Side, Blue Side, something like that. The fourth one, you really don't need to watch any of the previous movies leading up to that one there's not really a whole lot of continuity there you can kind of start that one and i think to me personally that's the best one in the series um but it, it, it's to me it's dope it's nostalgic it was one of my gateway animes if you like kill a kill and you're looking for something that you can kind of like throw on in the evening or or put on and not really have to follow along with like if you're cleaning the house on a sunday morning this might be a good one to throw on you know what I mean? I, I think I recommend it. I recommend it. If you're looking for something from the 80s and 90s to watch where not a lot of people talk about it, man, I think uh, this is definitely the one. And it's definitely the one for me. I've watched all four movies. I enjoy all of them. All right. So we're going to wrap things up here, gang. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you tuning in this week. Uh, what are we at? We're at almost about an hour. I did pretty good this week. Got some anime stuff in there. Got some hip-hop stuff in there. Um, so again... Wherever you listen to your podcast at, like, comment, subscribe, rate, leave me a comment. If it's a dope comment, if it's a nice comment, I'll go through and I'll read it on air, man. It's that simple, man. Show your boy some love. Why do I need you guys to do this? Because this gets me in the algorithms. It supports the podcast. It helps the podcast grow. So the higher you guys rate it, the more you guys that subscribe, the more you guys that click play, the more you guys share it. The podcast will continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And how much does it cost you, right? Costs you absolutely nothing. It costs you 0.0 dollars, dollars, dollars. Wow. 0.0 dollars to support your boy, um, to show your support, man. So if you guys could do that, if you guys don't have any money because you're tied up during the holiday season, I would appreciate it if you guys could do that. Um, 
Also, make sure you're streaming my shit on social media. I did say I was going to play the third verse from Radar in here, which is one of my favorite verses. So I'll play that here at the end of the podcast. But run a search for D-Town. That's D-T-O-W-N. No spaces, two caps. You should be able to find me. Um, Listen to Radar. Listen to Angels. Listen to Radar Angels. Listen. Listen. Um... Yeah, but I got Ric Flair is a good one too. I mean, I don't know if you guys like multi-syllable, like almost kind of like double timey complex flow type stuff. That one, it, it depends on what it is you're in, into. But if you like Eminem and if you like Tech Nine, uh, if you like Twista, that might be the type of track that you're you're li- that you like like listening to. Ric Flair is really dope. But with that being said, man, I'm not gonna hold you any longer. We're gonna sign out here. It's your boy D-Town, a.k.a. Kotsky Bakuglo, a.k.a. Meek Miliardo Peacecraft, a.k.a. Mr. If I Rules the World, a.k.a. Living My Life Like It's Golden, Frieza, a.k.a. Sailor Goon, and in the name of the goon, I'll see you next time. Stay tuned for the final verse of Radar. I'll chop it up with you later. Peace. Yeah, we spitting flames, but y'all shit isn't hot.